Can you read your Bibles with you? Um, we go to Acts chapter 9, verse 3 to 9, and then verse 17 to, to 18. Verse 3 to 9, and then verse 17 to 18, Acts chapter 9. Verse 3 says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Verse 17 says, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way that thou, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Verse 9, When he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. He's going to preach a few moments. On three days. That's okay with you. And if it isn't, whatever. Let's just pray together one more time. Jesus, hallelujah. God, I thank you for your presence that's here. God, your spirit and your anointing. God, I pray that you will continue to move in our midst. God, speak to our hearts today. I pray, God, let your will be done. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated if you'd like. We're all familiar with this story, most of us, anyway. But Saul, he was a he was a very religious guy. He was well educated. He had a, a good position. He was respected of his peers. He was zealous for his Lord. He was very traditional. He was obsessed with the law and obeying it. He knew his his stuff. And and Saul was at this moment, he was persecuting the church because they were worshiping Jesus. They were worshiping Jehovah like, like they should be, like he thought. And, and, you know, he was against them. He thought that they were wrong. And he was doing his best, you know, to save and um, preserve his, his religion and what he believed. And he was trying to purify it from all these weirdo Jesus followers that were kind of doing some strange things. And he was persecuting the church because he... You know, he thought they were wrong and he was right. And he went around arresting people. He held the coats of the, the people that stoned Stephen. He was there. He was there watching. And he had permission from the government to go and arrest Christians. He's like, all right, let's go. Let's go stop them. Let's get rid of these, these people. And bring some guys with them. And that's what they're on their way to do. And Saul honestly, you know, he honestly thought that he was doing the right thing. He was sincere in what he was doing. He was trying to serve God to the best of his ability. He had dedicated his whole life to God, to Jehovah, to Yahweh, whatever word or name you wanted to use. He dedicated his whole life 
to him. He'd spend his whole life studying the scriptures and doing whatever you know was expected of him. And there's a lot of people who are sincere in their beliefs, but that doesn't make it right. Just because we're sincere doesn't make it true. There's a lot of talk nowadays about your truth, living your truth, which is nonsense as far as I'm concerned. Now, there's only one truth. There's only one. There's only one way. And Saul was doing his best to follow his truth, what he thought was true, and to follow God. But he didn't get the memo that God has moved on from that. He was doing something different. God was moving in a new direction. Things had changed. And he didn't get that. And there was a new covenant that had been put in, into place. And, you know, things were changed. And God was leading his people in a new direction. And it's important that we actually follow God. Not just what people have told us to do our whole lives. Not just do what people have taught us or, or trained us to do. But actually follow after him. And be close enough to God that when he leads, we're still following him. And not just following other people and what other people have told us. Not to get caught up in our traditions, you know, this is the way it's always been, or whatever, you know, I say this all the time, but to actually follow him where he is going and what he is doing, it's not enough just to know everything and know what I've been taught and know all this stuff, but we have to be following him. Stop asking God to bless what we want and and do what he is (laughs) blessing. You know, we want God to move, go where he's moving. Go where the anointing is and let God work. And Saul was as sincere as anyone, but Saul was sincerely wrong. And Saul missed what God was doing in the world. And so he's on his way to Damascus, and he's going to arrest some Christians. He's going to throw them in jail. He's got his paperwork from the government. He's got permission. He's got his documents. He's got authority, whatever he needs to make this happen. And he's riding along with his little crew of, you know, his enforcers. Bodyguards, whatever, his bouncers, his people that he's using to help him. And they're going to go arrest people. They're going to haul them out of their, their houses. They're going to separate families. They're just going to wreak havoc on these, these people. Verse 3 says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. So Saul is going on this trip, and he's ready to just ruin the church, really. He's just going to rip it apart, and, and suddenly this light from heaven appears, suddenly. And we talked Wednesday night about how big doors swing on small hinges, and big things happen in ordinary days, and in an instant our lives can be changed. Nehemiah, you know, he, he was just asking his brother how things were, and he's like, well, Jerusalem's a mess, and then God moved on him, and in one conversation his whole life changed. You know how David was tending his sheep and all of a sudden, oh, David, your dad wants you. And he's anointed to be king. Just one moment, one instance, his life changed. Joseph was just going about his life in in prison. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh calls him. And then he's second in command. And and Peter, you know, fishing. And then, oh, Jesus, come follow me. Okay. And then all of a sudden, everything is changed in one instant. And our lives can be changed in one instant. And Paul was, was going to arrest the Christians. And he was sincere in his faith. He was zealous. About his God, he was trying his best to serve them, serve him, and because of that, God showed up in his life. And in one instant, his life was changed. And if people are sincere and honest and open, God can speak to them, and God can change them, and God can call them, and God can move in their lives. If they're honest and they're sincere and they're open, that's how we all ended up here. Right? And then suddenly, from heaven, this light 
shines. And up till now, Saul's been in the dark, spiritually. Amen. Up till now, you know, he hasn't been fully illuminated. Saul thought that he knew everything. He thought that he had seen everything. He knew it all, and, you know, he'd studied and he'd done all this, but he needed the light to come on. Amen. And there's a difference between knowing and understanding. You know, we can know all the facts, but when we actually understand, you know, there's something that happens. There's a light that comes on. We say, and I've told you before about when we were in, in Africa and in Benin, and we were teaching people, and they have this way, and, you know, they understand something. They're like, uh-huh. Ah. Mm-hmm. And at first, I'm like, this is annoying. But then when you're, when you're teaching, like, at a Bible school or a church or something, and people are like, uh-huh. You're like, yes. They got it. Yes. There's a light that comes on. You can see, like, uh-huh. And it's hard. You know, your French isn't great, and, and theirs isn't great. And then you don't know if it's getting across. And like, uh-huh. And then... You see the light comes on, and you know, there's a difference between you know knowing things and understanding things. We understand there's a light that comes on. We say, and what light? You know, what light is it? John one and four to five says, "In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It was Jesus, the light that showed up." Amen. And Paul and Saul's um, on his journey, a light from heaven shows up, and I may call him Paul a couple times. Forgive me, I'm trying not to. But verse 4 says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So Saul's on this journey, a light shines, and he falls down. And when we're in the presence of God, a reaction should be a fall to our knees. Because he is holy, and he is worthy of worship. Saul didn't even know what was going on. Saul didn't have one clue what was going on, but he knew there was something different about what's happening right now. And he falls to his knees. One moment he's traveling, then a bright light from heaven shows up and he falls to his knees in, in, in a place of reverence, in a place of worship. And if you want God to speak to you, you need to come to him in reverence. You need to approach him in worship humbly. Amen. Not just, oh God, let's do this. You need to tell me right now. When we come to him humbly in a place of worship, in a place of reverence, he will speak to you. Saul, you know, he was not a humble guy up to this point. You know, he is going out, making a scene, arresting people. Not, you know, that's not something that somebody that's meek and humble is going to do. Well, Paul is in your face, making a scene. And in one moment in the presence of Jesus changed that. He goes from, ah, let's arrest them all, let's throw them into prison, let's rip this whole thing apart to falling on the ground before Jesus. Everything changes in the presence of Jesus. Saul, 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 why persecutest thou me? The voice asks him, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? And Saul obviously wasn't physically persecuting Jesus. He was attacking the church. But when you attack the church, Jesus takes it personally. When you fight with your brother or your sister and you, and you run them down, you're not running them down. You are persecuting Jesus. You're not persecuting them. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You know, when you talk bad about others, you're talking bad about Jesus. When you're attacking others in the church, you're attacking Jesus. 
He died and he rose from the dead to save that person. He gave his blood for that person. He is val or they are valuable to him. And by you saying that they're an idiot or they're, they're stupid or you know they're not worth it, you're telling Jesus that you know better than him. And that is not a good place to be. You're telling him that he made a mistake, that this person is not worth saving, but to him they were worth going to the cross for. When you attack the church, you attack the body, you attack Jesus. Jesus and the church go together. We're covered by his blood. We're connected. We've been adopted into him. You can't separate, you know. If you attack the church, you're attacking Jesus. Saul, Saul, why persecute us? I mean, this is a serious thing. Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He wasn't persecuting God as far as he was concerned, but he was as far as Jesus was. Verse 5 says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Saul didn't recognize the voice of God. Who are you? God shows up and speaks to him. Now, who are you? Who is this voice? Who is talking to me, let's see, there's a light coming from heaven. Bright light. What do you think it is? Like use your use your head there, Saul. Who do you think it is? But Saul fall. Saul was so far removed from actually knowing God at that moment. And he didn't even recognize him when he showed up. Knowledge only gets us so far. Saul had all the knowledge that could be given to him. Saul was extremely smart, extremely educated. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said he was, a, he was a big deal, but all of that didn't matter when he was in the presence of Jesus. All of our knowledge and education and study, it's important. It's important for us to know things, but it will only get us so far. Some things only come by being in his presence. We need knowledge and revelation, and together they are powerful. And he said... Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Who are you? And he thought that he knew God. I thought that I knew, knew who he was, you know. I thought that I knew that all, all there was to know about God is what Saul, Saul was at. And now there's a voice coming from heaven, and it's, he's telling me that I'm fighting against him, and he's telling me that I'm persecuting him. Who are, who are you? Who are you, God? Who are you? I don't even know anymore. Everything that Saul knew and thought had been challenged in that moment. And we've all had those moments where we thought that we knew everything. We thought we had God all figured out and then something happens and we're like, I don't even know. Maybe me, maybe it's just me, I don't know. It happens more often than it should. We all have those moments where, you know, we think, you know what, you know what's going on and then something happens. Where we get into his presence and everything changes. When we get into his presence, he reveals more of himself. Amen. And we get to know him more. If you want to get to know Jesus, you got to be in his presence. And Saul thought that, you know, he thought, I knew, I know God. I know his word. I know all this stuff. I've studied. I've given my life to this. I know this. But there's now there's this voice coming from heaven, and he's saying that I'm fighting against him, saying that I'm persecuting him. And now he's saying that he's Jesus. You know, this is the same Jesus that Paul has, you know, been persecuting the people that are following him. The same Jesus that he's arresting people because of. And, and in one moment, everything Saul thought he knew changed in the presence of Jesus. I don't know if this is making sense or not, but 
We need to get into his presence. We need to let him change us. Change the way we think. To challenge us. To call us. To speak to us. It's not going to happen unless we get into his presence. Verse 6, and he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and shall be told thee what thou must do. He was trembling and astonished. Saul's mind has been blown at this moment. He's astonished. He's trembling. He's in fear. The guy that was so bold, he was just going to go arrest people and haul them out of their houses and just throw them in the middle of the street and just make a big scene. All of a sudden, he's trembling and in fear. He's been changed from this confident, cocky, knows-everything kind of guy to, to trembling. And that's what being in the presence of Jesus does. It changes us completely. One moment in the presence of Jesus can change everything. One moment he goes from fighting against him and fighting his people to saying, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? Where do you want me to go? In one moment, his whole life has changed. He's, he's going, you know, I'm going to arrest him and now... What do you want me to do instead? What am I going to do? Everything's changed in one moment. He's asking Jesus now where he's supposed to go, what he's supposed to do. And he says, you need to go to the city, and I'm going to send someone to tell you what to do. Verse 7, the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And the guys that were with him, his little entourage, his little gangsters or whatever, his little bouncers, whatever you want to call them, the guy's with them. Because Saul was in the presence of Jesus. They were in his presence too. And it moved them too. They stood speechless. Your experience that you have with God doesn't only affect you, but it affects the people around you. When you invite Jesus' presence into your life, it doesn't only affect you, it affects the people around you. That's why we come together and we worship. We praise and we lift up his name. So his presence comes. It doesn't just affect me, but it affects my neighbor. It affects the person that's maybe been here for the first time and they've never felt anything like this. It affects the people around you. When you pray in your home, it affects your home. It affects your family. It affects the people around you. When his presence comes in, that's why we need to be in his presence and affect the people around us. If we're ever going to have any change, comes from being in His presence. You want to change the world around you, you need to bring His presence with you. Invite His presence wherever you're at. Change their lives. They stood speechless. They were like, what is going on? We don't even... Well, they didn't say that. Like, they were just amazed at this thing that was happening. Verse 8, And Saul rose from the earth. When his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. When Saul got up, he saw things differently. Well, I didn't see him, but everything looked different. Being in his presence changes how we see things. We see it through faith. You don't see sickness anymore. You see a potential healing. You don't see an obstacle. You see God coming through. You don't see a storm. You see peace. You don't see troubles. You see blessing. You don't see tribulation. You see God's working in me. He's going he's gonna to help me with his, his patience. He's going to take me. He's going to make me stronger. You don't see things the same after you're in his presence. And our problem is sometimes we, we don't get into his presence enough. And then we see things the wrong way. That's 
But we need to get into his presence. And when we do, it's going to change how we see things. Yes. Things aren't going to look the same. Amen. It's not going to be so negative. It's not going to look so bad. Yes. Things are going to change when we get into his presence. When we get into his presence, we see an opportunity for God to do something incredible. Paul or Saul had planned on going to Damascus with his little caravan and going in and arresting them and making a scene and doing all this stuff for God, he thought. He was going to do it for God. And God still let him go there and God still took him there, but just a little bit different than he expected. Hallelujah. We all have places that we think we're going to go and things we're going to do for God. We get into his presence and it changes things. He's still going to lead us, but he's going to do it a little bit differently than we thought. Joseph, for example, we know I talk about Joseph every week, I think. I think. You know, Joseph, he had dreams. God was going to do incredible things through his life. And he did not go the way that most of us would went to get there. But God took him and led him there. David, you know, he's just a shepherd, anointed king. Great, I'm going to go be king. But there was another king already there. And God had to work all that out to get him to where he needed to be. You know, Samuel, you know, his mom thought, I'm going to give him, you know, over to the house of God. He's going to go live, you know, with the priest. The priest is going to teach him, and you know, he's going to use him and all that. And, but the priest was, wasn't the best priest. His sons were corrupt, and he just kind of let everything go. And well, God had other plans, and he spoke to Samuel directly, and he called him directly, and he moved in a different way than his mother thought was going to happen. And God doesn't always work in the way we think Amen. he's going to work. Right. Actually, he never does. <laughs> We all have burdens and we all have things that we want to do and things we want to see happen. You know, for God, not, you know, not bad things, but he's going he's gonna to lead us to do it his way. So I'm going to go to Damascus. Jesus is like, okay, you're going to go to Damascus. There's going to be a little change on the way. There's going to be a little detour. There's going to be a little bit different. We're going to do something differently. And Saul so thought he was going to go in and guns blazing, you know. Tear the city apart. Here he goes being led in blind. Sneaking in the back way. Going to some house and waiting. <clears throat> being in the presence of Jesus changes everything. How we see. How we walk. Saul wasn't going the same way. How we, how we go about things. Being in this presence changes us. And he was there three days without sight. And neither did eat nor drink. And this is the main point. I know it took a long time to get there. But whatever. Three days Saul was in Damascus for three days and for three days he was blind and for three days Saul didn't know what to do. And for three days he waited on God waiting, waiting, waiting in the dark, probably a little bit confused. He's fasting probably praying and he's waiting. That's all he can do is wait. When you're blind you're waiting in the dark. You can't tell how much time is going by. Right. Time drags on. There's stories of people that were you know, kidnapped and you know, held in the rooms and stuff. And, and they have no idea how much time has passed. Because it's so dark and they don't really understand. They don't know. They can't, they can't see the sun. You don't know how much time's you know going, going by. And time just seems to drag on. It feels like forever. It feels like eternity. And sometimes we're there. You know, just waiting and it feels like it's taking forever and nothing's happening. And we're just 
waiting and waiting and waiting. And God said, go and wait, and I'm going to do something. You know, I'm going to tell you what to do. And we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And it feels like nothing is happening and nothing is changing. It feels like eternity. And right now you've been waiting on God. He's told you the way you've been in His presence. You spoke with Him and you've done what you've been told and done what was asked of you. And now you're just waiting for God to come through and waiting for the next thing and waiting for God to move. Hallelujah. It seems like eternity and it seems like it's going on forever. But keep waiting, keep fasting, keep praying, keep being faithful. Stay where you have been told to go. Stay where God told you to go. Don't jump the gun. Don't jump the ship. Don't take off. Wait. It's not over. He hasn't forgotten you. He still cares about you. He is still working. He is still moving. Keep waiting. And while Saul was waiting, God was working on Ananias. Ananias didn't want to go. God was working on him. And while you are waiting, God is working on the next step. And while you are waiting, He's working on that provision that you're going to need. Keep waiting. Even if it feels like an eternity, even if it feels like forever, keep waiting. My wife can come back, please. Wait. Don't quit. Don't leave. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Stay in his presence. One of the saddest stories in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, Matthew 27, 3 to 5. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. One of the saddest stories in the Bible. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus, and Peter also denied him three times. The other disciples, they deserted him. They took off, and they, they left. They all abandoned him. Judas was not much worse than the rest. Judas was the one that got the ball roll, rolling. But it was a necessary thing anyway. Jesus needed to die. He, he had to go to the cross. He had to shed his blood. It needed to happen. Someone needed to betray him. And it just happened to be Judas. And Judas betrayed him. But he couldn't deal with the stress. He couldn't deal with, with the, the guilt, the anxiety of the whole situation and how he felt. And he went and he hanged himself. He committed suicide. And it's a sad story. I know a lot of people just hate Judas and whatever, but without Judas, this whole thing wouldn't have happened. He was necessary. And if he'd only waited three days, Jesus loved Judas as much as the other 11. He called Judas just like he called the rest of them. And you don't think he would have showed up to Judas and said, I forgive you. You don't think he would have showed up like he did to Thomas. And Thomas was like, well, I don't, it didn't happen. I don't believe it. And Jesus cared enough to show up to him specifically and say, look, touch, touch my wounds. I want to prove to you. You don't think he would have showed up to Judas. Jesus needed to die. He needed to give his life for our sins. And someone needed to betray him. And it happened to be Judas that he couldn't wait three days. If he'd only waited three days, 
the story would have been different. In three days, Peter found forgiveness. In three days, the disciples were gathered back together. In three days, Saul's life changed from being one that's persecuting the church to being the greatest missionary in the Bible. In three days, it changed. But Judas couldn't wait, and he lost out on everything. And you are right where you needed to be, where you need to be. Judas is where he needed to be. Somebody needed to do that. You're right where you need to be. Wait. It may feel like eternity. It may feel like God's not coming through. It may feel like the answer's not coming. But wait, because he's working on the answer. Judas' answer was Jesus raising from the dead and giving him salvation, but he couldn't wait and he missed out on the answer. Wait, the answer is coming. It may feel like eternity. You may feel like you're struggling with the same things over and over and you're battling with the same things, but wait. Don't get ahead of Jesus. Don't try to fix it on your own. Don't try to work it out on your own. Trust him and wait. You are where you need to be. A lot can change in three days. A lot can change in an instant. Stay faithful. Stay where he's put you and wait. Three days. And Saul's life was changed and turned around. In three days. In three days, Judas could have had the same thing, but he could not wait. Let's all stand. If you're thinking of quitting, if you're thinking of throwing in the towel, if you're thinking that, well, I've been waiting long enough and nothing's happened and God hasn't come through, wait. I know we don't want to hear it. I know nobody likes to hear the wait. Nobody likes waiting. I've got three girls. I'm waiting all the time and I hate it. Nobody likes to wait. But he's working on it. Trust him. Let him be God. Let him control. Let him let him lead. Wait, he's working. There's an Ananias coming. There's a prayer answering. There's an answer prayer coming. Wait. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. We're gonna open the altars. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is you feel like you're in the dark, you feel like it's been forever, tell him, I'm going to stay here until you come through. I'm going to wait, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to wait because I know that you're coming. I trust you. In Jesus' name, the altar is open if you want to come and pray. Hallelujah. He's going to meet you. He's going to answer that prayer. He's going to come through. Just wait and trust in three days. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.